Hi, I'm Brent Love, and this is Hope Works, a podcast by Hope Surrogacy. In every episode of Hope Works, we'll be talking with a surrogate as she shares her journey, her inspiration, meeting her intended parents, pregnancy, and birth. Today, we get to talk with Taylor. Taylor and I sat down in the apartment above Hope, and the two of us hit it off immediately. We're both fans of pop culture and podcasts and talking about surrogacy, so we got into the flow right away. When we sat down to talk, Taylor was in the middle of a long journey with her intended parents. Years ago, she delivered twins for the two dads who live in Paris. Since then, she's visited them a few times and talks to the kids and the dads regularly. They'll do video calls, regular calls, and sometimes she even reads books to the little toddlers over Skype. They decided to try again for a sibling, but this time the journey has been a lot harder. They've had multiple failed transfers and are actually needing to change to a new fertility clinic to try again. For this conversation with Taylor, you guys get a little something extra special. You'll get to hear from one of my surrogacy superheroes, Mary Murphy. Mary is a co-founder at Hope Surrogacy and she came to sit in on the conversation between Taylor and I but she didn't know I already had planned a little surprise, which was to put her on a seat behind the mic for the first 10 minutes or so. The three of us felt so cozy that at one point we actually joked we wished there was a fire going. So if you're listening, I hope you can cozy up to a fire, grab your favorite warm beverage, and enjoy this sweet conversation with surrogate and incredible mom, Taylor. Okay. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Brent. (laughs) (laughs) Very excited to be sitting with you here uh, at the apartment above Hope Surrogacy, which is a very important apartment. It seems really important. It's beautiful. Well, this is where where we brought our baby when uh, when our baby was born. We were staying here. So I guess it's very important to me. I'm glad you're here. Now I know it's even more important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we're going to be talking about your journey as a surrogate. And yeah. the people that were involved in that. And I actually wanted to start be, with one of uh, the people that was part of both of our journeys because she happens to be in the room. And that is the director of Hope Surrogacy, Mary, who we both met when yeah. we both started getting into um, our own process. And so I actually just want to invite Mary to take my mic and, um, let her ask a couple of questions. I know you guys know each other very well. Yeah, but, we really do. <laughs> um, you guys can talk about your journey from, from your perspectives. Come on, Mary. Come on in here. I'm going to pass over my <laughs> headphones, my mic, the whole get up. Okay, how's that work? That's oh, funny. Do you sound hear? good over here. I know. Doesn't the, it sound strange? I, I can't. Is this good? Yeah, it sounds good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited you're here, and I'm so happy that you can share your story, because I think it's a beautiful story. One of the things I love about what I do is seeing you journey through this whole process. So when you first came, what made you want to be a surrogate? Well, yeah, I mean, for me, it started in kind of a selfish way, right? Like I had my two children and I just really loved being pregnant. And I felt this pull, like I just wanted to be pregnant again, but I wasn't ready to have more children of my own. And I can't even remember how it came into my sphere, but it all of a sudden was just there. Surrogacy was just everywhere. Like maybe it was, you know, 
in the news or someone mentioned it or I saw an ad or something. And I thought, oh, brilliant. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a great way for me to fulfill on this, you know, deep desire that I have, but also give something to someone else, you know? Um, but I approached it originally from that space of like, oh, well, I want to be pregnant, right? And then as I started the journey and, and I met you and everyone on your team, I felt like I started to see what was possible in creating a, a real family mm-hmm. with someone yeah. else, you know, in, um, in just a really beautiful extended family kind of way and in a way that I hadn't even envisioned at first. And I feel like that's what you really made possible for me. Um, and I feel like that's what I have now and I'm really grateful for it. And, oh, I love that you say that because I'm exposed to so many beautiful women like yourself who love being pregnant and think, oh, I could do this for somebody. And yet they end up on this journey that is something that's completely unexpected from what their expectation was when they first started yeah. to how it transforms their lives in these completely unexpected ways. And to watch your journey with your parents, it's just been really beautiful because you've had this wonderful connection. And I mean, I don't know if you want to share about how what happened after you had the babies and then you went on to have another baby of your own. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So I think what you're asking about is, um, after we had our, our babies, can I say that we had our twins? Yeah. yeah she okay. carried twins. <laughs> sure. So, um, we were getting ready to start a sibling project and so I'd gone off my birth control and I, we were like really excited. We were going to have you know, siblings. <laughs> and then, and then I got pregnant <laughs> uh, with my husband and we were like, oh, whoops. So we that had went on baby. Hold. Yeah. Um, and so now we're in the midst of our, resuming our sibling project. And um, that's, you know, definitely been another part of the journey that has been uh, twists and turns that were unexpected for sure. And, it, you know, we thought it was, it was so easy the first time. We thought it would be continually easy, but um, but that's okay. We're up to the challenge. Well, and I you love know. how you talk about that too, because like you said, it was so easy the first time. Yeah. You know, and you had... And health. it's different every time for right. every transfer and for every, it just the... all. It's such a miracle, right? Like creating life is just mm-hmm. miraculous. And sometimes it happens so easily and, and we forget all of the pieces that have to come together so perfectly right. and um, that we have to be patient and, yes, you know, remember that it's not just inputs, outputs. We can make things happen however we want, no. robotic style. Like it's, it's a, an art and it's life and it's, you know, yeah. it's a journey and it's messy in a beautiful way that we love. Well, what's interesting too <laughs> is, you know, for your journey, you carried for a same sex couple yeah, and they're not impervious to bumps in the road. You know, people think, oh, well, hetero couples are infertile and gay couples aren't, but you just described the whole process of getting pregnant. It's, it's not that easy, you know, except for you and (laughs) and your husband when you, when you weren't expecting it, but it is easy sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, know, for them, it's, they know they can't get pregnant without you, (laughs) but, um, just thinking about, like you said, the, the process it's, the second time around. It's funny because in some ways it's like infertility is infertility, whether it's because, you know, you're 
a hetero couple and you are struggling to have viable eggs or whatever, whatever the right. thing is, right? right? Or you don't have any eggs because it's, you know, two men, right? right? Like infertility, right. whatever the cause, um, it, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. It come, yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes in different, different ways and different paths. Yeah. And it's yeah. challenging for everyone in, yeah. um, it's not that it's easier for one type of family than another. No. And sure. yeah. So, so when you first, when you first met your parents, you know, way back when, yeah. what were you nervous? Oh, were you so excited? nervous. I was so nervous. I, I felt like I was on a date, like a first date, <laughs> you know? Um, I felt really excited because of all of the support that you had given us, you know, when we entered into the arrangement originally, not the arrangement, but entered into the, the, the process by filling out the survey, kind of like the, the application and defining for myself what it was that I wanted out of my surrogacy relationship, I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll put it all out there and I'll make like a best case scenario, utopian world. This is the type of family that I want to create, you know, a child with, right? I want to carry a child for and thinking, you know, like why not shoot for the moon? Right. And then, and then when you found for me, these amazing dads who wanted exactly what I had to offer and we were just this perfect match. And it was so fortuitous that like even our applications came in at the same time in a way. And, um, and so it just felt like, like this beautiful serendipity and I, I didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> like really wanted <laughs> meeting them to be everything that, um, that I'd hoped for. And then it was, you know, it was just like yeah. this instant connection and they were, we have like a similar sense of humor and we, you know, we just like could just be together so easily yeah. and they're so kind and, um, and just immediately felt like family, you know, yeah. that yeah. kind of unspoken, or undefined just love and connection just immediately, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you know, my husband was there and we, we all met together, you know, yeah. it was just, it was great. And, um, we, we went out for lunch afterwards and they're like, oh, we should go to McDonald's because we don't do that at home. <laughs> we should treat ourselves to McDonald's. And my husband and I were like, mm, all right. Yeah. You <laughs> so indulged like, them. Oh my gosh. So that was really fun and special to like, that was the start. We went to the mall, you know, because oh, for them, they were like, let's go to the mall. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Taylor's um, parents live in Paris and they're French. And so these are all do things for them. Yeah. McDonald's. Was... <laughs> oh my gosh. In the mall. You're probably horrified. Yeah. I thought, well, that's not what I would want to show you about yeah. Madison, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. But and not that they don't have McDonald's there, but you know, American McDonald's is different. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, yeah. But I think what's really for me to watch, um, too, is how even beyond the pregnant, of course you had the pregnancy and that was really beautiful. And, you know, they stayed here afterwards for a little while, um, because of the, you know, they need to get their passport and the court hearing and all of that. So that was fun to spend time with them after the birth. Yeah. But even beyond that, do you want to talk about you know, you and Pat end up going to France to visit them. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> sorry. 
um, yeah, I mean, we've had so much time to be together, right? Because they came a few times um, to Madison, even during the, you know, the early part of the process for the meetings mm-hmm. and then during the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to Paris to visit during the pregnancy in the second trimester for a while and met all of their family. Um, and then when it was time for the birth, because uh, everyone says with twins, plan to go early, right? Mm-hmm. No, not me. Um, and so <laughs> they arrived, you know, um, like a month early. And we finally decided to induce me at like just over 40 weeks with the twins. <laughs> and they were like, please, we want to meet our babies so badly. Can we please just have the babies? I said, okay, fine. We'll induce. <laughs> so we had that whole month to just be together. And it was this like super cold winter mm-hmm. in Madison. And we went ice skating and walking on the lake. And, you know, it was just this time to like really um, connect and we couldn't have planned it better, you know, but then afterward, um, yeah, we've definitely, let's see, I think I've gone three or four times to visit them in Paris and they've been here a handful of other times after that. Uh, two years ago we went on a vacation together, you know, my husband and I and our then three children, (laughs) them and the two, we went up to Quebec for a few weeks. Um, yeah, so we definitely have, and that's what we wanted, you know, that's, that was part of what I had laid out for myself as, as an ideal scenario was I wanted a long-term family type relationship. And, um, that's exactly what we have. Yeah. I love that. It's yeah. just fantastic. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to take over now and well, yeah, I'm no, I already had an interview today with check my check clients yeah. for their YouTube, um, video and I'm like great I've been on a video now I'm yeah, on a Mary's podcast a media maven. No. yeah no. I need better I need better timber in my voice no I think you sound great Mary. <laughs> thanks Taylor okay I'm gonna adjust the mic and stuff again okay because I gotta like even more cozy I'm just gonna like cozy up to the arm of the chair and, yeah I uh, wish we should have like a fire going or something yeah I think we can do that on the television right one of those like oh my gosh when, okay so when we were here we had the baby and all our family was up it was yeah. Thanksgiving we totally did that we like turned yeah. on the Netflix uh, that's what it's there for yeah turn on the Netflix <laughs> fireplace uh, and, and totally watch I also watch Netflix like at my like 1am and 2am and 3am feedings too uh, yeah I mean what else are you supposed to do right no I, I stay don't... awake stay awake <laughs> right. please Je- Jessica Jones help me stay awake yeah <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with like, you know, even breastfeeding in the middle of the night, you know, like have your phone to try to like stay awake and, you know, like <laughs> so much time on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. So you have, um, you had a plan for two kids and then did you have a plan for the third one? That was the surprise. You know, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, what's a plan? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I feel like I can't quite distinguish for myself the difference between my own wants and what my biological clock is determining for my life, (laughs) right? I have this constant desire to be pregnant. It's like the craziest feeling. And I magical unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like, like when will this feeling ever go away? Like I just, I would love to be pregnant again. I love, um, that, that feeling of, 
carrying life is just so magical and I can't do it all the time. And so I thought, oh, just two, that's good, you know? Um, and, you know, we feel like having our resources to give to two children was a good idea. We didn't want to have three because we wanted to really like dote on our two. And you didn't want to, we didn't want to separate our time uh, even wider by having another child. But now that he's here, he's amazing. And we love him. <laughs> we wouldn't do magical? it either way. Yeah, yeah. Like, how is, could, it's your, like, how could I have planned this? Like, yeah. how, like this is how it was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So you have <laughs> I this have crazy to say, story. I always feel really weird about saying how much I love being pregnant and how like I have this desire to be pregnant because I feel like it sounds insane. And so I just need to like preface that by saying, I'm sorry if I sound insane. <laughs> well, can we talk about that? Because one, I am a man. I have no idea what that means to be pregnant and why it is as good as you say it is for you. I mean, I know yeah. it, I have heard lots of people talk about how it isn't good for them. Yes. Um, so when you say like, it's so great to be pregnant, what does that mean? Like, how would you describe that to someone for whom it is not good to be pregnant? Or it's really impossible? hard to describe, I think. And I, sometimes I, I liken it to any other really challenging, um, endeavor that one sets out for themselves, like, like running a marathon, right? Like that is not something that sounds appealing to me at all, right? Like training for it, actually doing it. It sounds like really hard and like you have to push yourself through it and there's parts that really suck and then parts that like feel really good, but then you go back and do it again, right? Like some people just really enjoy it. Maybe I shouldn't use that analogy because I have never run a marathon, but I imagine it's similar, <laughs> right? We're like, there are parts of it that suck, of course, right? Because it's hard. It's really hard. But also the parts that are amazing just fill me with a joy that um, is unequaled, you know? The the feeling of a, a little, little baby, like, kicking and moving inside is the most... Um, it's the most divine experience. You know what I mean? It like, it's one of those experiences where I just feel very spiritual, very connected to something again. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm a crazy person. No, (laughs) no. Okay. Okay. So you said, you know, divine (laughs) and I have a spiritual background and, and so I've thought about divine things in my life. And I will say when we got to attend the birth of our child with our surrogate, it was, the closest thing to a miracle I have ever felt. Like if miracles exist in the world, this has got to be the one. Yeah. Because for me standing there, it was, there's not a person. There's a person. Yeah. What, what kind of cosmic magic trick is this? (laughs) This is wild. Yes, exactly. And so I, I totally connect to that about you saying, because you, there's no way I can experience the baby inside me, but I totally am like, Oh yeah, it must be. Yeah. It must be. It's it's supernatural. It's like nine months of being deeply present to the miraculousness of that because you can't help but be present to it because it's happening in your body and you're, you're aware of it constantly. Right. And even in the leading up to getting pregnant, even in the, you know, the whole IVF process, you're still, it's like, um, like 
just being constantly reminded of something really beautiful, you know, like having a ribbon tied in your, your finger. And like, every time you look at it, you think of this amazing thing, but it's just that you're pregnant. <laughs> well, so it's like, it's like meditative or it's like, you know, I don't know. it's a different kind of ribbon, you <laughs> yeah, know, it's it an is. umbilical cord, but it's like, yeah, still, right. you know, it's a ribbon. <laughs> it really is. We'll call it a ribbon. It is. It kind of twists and turl, you know, turns, it's, it's ribbon like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also feel like, um, I, I, I'm not particularly spiritual in other areas of my life, but I often will find little, you know, little things that call to me, like, you know, looking at a, a sunset in a particular way or like, and it just fills you with that, that joy. And so for me, that's what bringing life into the world is, is that for me, you know, um, and then also when it's not just for me, but it's for my dads and I feel like, like they're so deserving of it. They're such amazing, amazing fathers. And so like being able to contribute to something to not only the child's life, but to their life in such a profound way is an amazing gift. And you know, like who doesn't want to give gifts like that? I, you know, I don't, I think there are a lot of people that don't want to give gifts like that. That's why I think that you're so special, you know, like I, I talk to lots of women, amazing women, moms themselves, if they've done this amazing thing and they've given birth to their own children, or maybe they haven't either way, they aren't in a place where they want to give that gift, you yeah. know, where they want to be part of that and, and have that kind of journey of generosity and of like the spiritual thing, if it's spiritual for them. Um, You're right. It's really difficult to, it's really difficult for me to say what it is exactly that has me feel the way I feel about surrogacy. It's something that I don't feel that I can logically explain. And that's unique for me because usually I feel like I can give a reason for most things, you know, most of the ways that I feel or most of the things that I say. Are, um, but when it comes to a few areas of my life, um, and this is one of them where I just feel like it's just the way that it is. And, um, and you're right when you say not everybody wants to give gifts like that. Um, I have to remember that it's just not this way for everyone. And, and I don't know why I feel the way I feel, but I'm glad that I do. Cause I really, I really like my life. This is pretty great. You know? <laughs> Yeah. So when you started this journey, you had this feeling of um, the magnitude of pregnancy and what it's meant to you for your own two kids. And you wanted to do this and you and you kind of heard about it and started researching it. Yeah. Um, and you went into it. You say selfishly, but I, I, it sounds to me just like you you understood what it meant to you in that time. Yeah. And not necessarily what it would mean, mean to someone else. Um, yeah. So. And it just wasn't real. It wasn't like I, I didn't know the individuals who would be my intended parents, right? It, it was, um, it was just something that I. Once I had faces and once I had names, then I could um, connect to that. But otherwise, I just entered it as like a. For me, does it? Well, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. For, for from your perspective. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. From my perspective, yeah. Um. So. Well, the other part of that that I would say is that. Um, for me, growing up, one of the most important people in my life was my uncle, who was gay, 
and passed away a year before my oldest son was born. Um, and, you know, he, he was my godfather and he was my uncle and he was he was someone that I spent a lot of time with. And I imagine for him, I was like a daughter, right? And I just would hope that if he had ever wanted to have a child, he and his partner, that someone would have done that for him. Because he was, he was everything to me. And I just think that um, I just imagined that there were other gay people out there who deserved to be parents and I wanted to help. And so I knew going in that I really wanted to work with a gay couple specifically. Um, so that was part of it for me. I mean, as a, as a gay man, I'm like at tears in my eyes. Cause I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, there, there are gay men out there now, you know? <laughs> who need to meet someone like you. And now, you know, in the time that we're in, in the way things are um, in different parts of the world, including the US, it's possible for gay people to have families and not just have families, because th there have been gay families, but to have families um, that they dream about where they get to just like go to the grocery store with yeah. their kids, you know, where they like, where when people talk to them, they just ask them like, what school are your kids going to go to? You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. But on the other side of that is still a huge gap in how, what gay people know about how they can build families yeah. and that po things like surrogacy are possible. And then if you hear about that, you're like, how in the world could I find such a magical woman? Yeah. Like who is this woman? Where is she out there in the world? <laughs> The crazy thing is that Mary and her team like know people like you. Yeah. Like that's crazy, you know? Um, yeah, I know some people enter into gestational carrier type relationships without working through an agency and more power to them. But I can't imagine having gone through this journey without them being so perfectly matched with someone that I'm going to have a relationship with for the rest of my life. You kind of want a matchmaker, right? Someone who's going to help you... Um, find the right people and yeah so from I have my experience with Mary and her team in what they've meant to us but for you as a surrogate um, what were the ways that you like how did you meet Mary and her teammates um, Leanne and Amy and as you went through the process what did they mean to you um, and how did how has that changed from what maybe you expected in the beginning um, well, for me, they were my guide, right? Because I was going into something that I had no idea what, what it was. Uh, I did a little bit of research and it just happened to be that I lived in the same city where these people were, right? So it was really easy for me to connect with them. Um, and I could just drive over and meet them in person and, um, to be able to, um, to be able to really like trust them to guide me uh, in in something that I yeah I don't know how else to say that I just felt like I needed some assistance and they were there providing assistance at every step of the way in ways that I didn't even know I needed and they just like kept helping me um, yeah, yeah I, um, I remember when 
working with our surrogate, I loved the way that Mary and Leanne um, advocated for her to us, you know, so they would, um, not that like we, not that there was anything crazy in our relationship, but just that we were still learning about what a surrogate goes through and what that experience is like. And they could advocate for her. Yeah. And it's really easy to have Midwest nice get in the way of clear, open communication and boundaries, right? Because if you're going into something that you have no idea, you've never done it before. You don't know anyone who's done it before. You don't even know what you don't even know. Right. And to have someone there to say, Oh, don't forget this. Or you might feel this way or, you know, and to like normalize the experience, but to also help you put up some boundaries around it so that you know when you're stepping outside of what's normal or what's okay to be like, don't forget to ask for this thing for yourself or right. That kind of thing. It was really important. I can't imagine having done it without them. So looking back on your first experience and you're working with these new IPs, these dads from Mm. France, I mean, wait, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Um, France, was that on your radar? Did you like know that you were going to be like, have this special connection to Paris? <laughs> <laughs> no. And it's funny actually, because I studied French all through uh, middle and high school and then also at university. And, you know, like I don't speak French that well, but well enough that it helped a little bit. Um, and I had been to Paris already. And and then to know that I was going to meet these amazing men and then have this like continued relationship, I felt like I'm just always meant to be in Paris. You know, like that's clearly where part of part of me was just meant to be. So that's so crazy. Yeah. So, um, so no, that you, wasn't on my wish list. I didn't ask for gay French dads. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was great. Totally. Um, and you're working, so you're working with them and you're working with Mary, um, the process of getting pregnant was different than the process of getting pregnant for your first two pregnancies, right? Absolutely. It was like a totally different thing. (laughs) Did you know getting into it, like what that process was going to be like, like how well prepared do you feel like you were like, I mean, not just logically, but like emotionally for what it would take to prepare your body to carry a pregnancy for them. That part, I feel like I learned along the way. I don't think there was any good way to really prepare myself for it. Well, I don't know, maybe, um, cause I, I also feel like I was getting into my surrogacy journey when there weren't a lot of resources available. Um, so maybe now people who are starting to be surrogates are able to look things up and see blogs and hear podcasts and, you know, understand it a little bit better. But for me, I felt like I was really well supported in the logistics of, um, you know, the, the legality issues and the, you know, the relationship issues, but then the IVF process on my side of it, I felt like it, it was fine and I worked it out, but I, it did feel a little bit more lonely. Like I was figuring it out as I went along and it was definitely different than getting pregnant just, you know, uh, like I had previously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but it also, everything made sense, right? It's like every time they'd say, oh, you're going to take this hormone or this medication. I understood why each of them was happening. And, you know, um, so your doctor is like giving you all these medications and you have to give yourself shots. Yeah. Um, well, actually I didn't have to give myself shots the first oh. time around. Yeah. Um, so for our sibling projects, 
and having to do shots. I was like, this is not how it was before. This, okay, these, well, these explain that terrible, to me. You know? Because how, why didn't you have to take... Because our surrogate took shots. Yeah. That's the only thing I know about IVF. So why why didn't you have to t- do shots and, and things the first time? Because different clinics use different uh, administrations of medications, right? In different doses, from different manufacturers. And they determine what they think is best for their clients to work with. And so the clinic that we were working with... Um, I just used other methods, right? So I had um, more like transdermal applications. Um, yeah, oral and transdermal and not shots. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so now, so wait, okay. So you have the first pregnancy. Now you're in the process of a sibling project. Yeah. Are you doing shots right now? I'm not right now because we're switching to a new clinic. <gasps> So our previous clinic closed suddenly and oh my unexpectedly. Gosh, shock. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we still have three embryos left. And so they we had to send them off to storage again. They're they're off uh in Minnesota, I think. <laughs> and we're working on developing a relationship with a new clinic in Chicago that will help us to transfer these three embryos. Well, maybe just one, who knows? We're, we're doing like, them one at a time, right? Three, three no, at a time. No, not, not triplets. We're not going for triplets no, here. No, we're really not. Well, you know, and we've had so many failed transfers at this point um, that we're thinking like maybe we'll put, we'll use two because the embryo viability of our current batch has proven to not be excellent, which we were told may be a part uh, of how they were created and how they've been stored. Right. And so, well, that sounds scary. I know. I mean, you're I talking know. to someone who's working on a sibling project. Right. So I'm like, wait, oh, oh, <laughs> t- the, the freezer wasn't good. Like <laughs> what's going on? I gotta, I'm like interested in knowing more about this. Yeah. Like, ooh. That's the thing. It's all so complicated. Right. And you have to have experts all along the way guiding you. Right. And, um, so Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. We're not working with that clinic. We're working with the new clinic now. Well, okay. Okay. So. <laughs> and the new clinic apparently has really amazing. I guess there's a difference between it being a three-day embryo and a five-day embryo and where they halt the um, the process and, you know, send them to, to stagnate to like the freezer, right? So I guess the five-day is the way to go now. And ours are three-day embryos. Which no one is doing anymore, I guess. I see. Yeah. Um. Let's give our listeners a little bit of the science magic. It's science magic because, right? It's like, what? Where are we? Is this a sci-fi novel? This is so crazy. Yeah. But um, for people who don't know, uh, when you are working to create embryos, you have the eggs and you have sperm. Um, I can talk about our case where we had um, a donor that we knew. And so we had these eggs and... It was quite a, uh, it was like 19 eggs, which was, which was great. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of eggs. Um, and then they go through the fertilization process, um, where they are in a lab with eggs and sperm and the two meet and do their dance and, uh, in a, in a piece of glassware somewhere. I'm not exactly sure what it even <laughs> looks like. Um, and then they let them grow 
for now five days, which is it, which is what our clinic did, Mm -hmm. um, grow for five days. And from after those five days, there are certain ones that will grow, um, certain egg and sperm combinations that will grow and be viable embryos. Right. Yeah. And then, um, just like in nature, some of the egg and sperm combinations won't grow. And so then after that process, you have less embryos, um, than you had eggs to start with that even make the fertilization. And at the end of five days, you have even a fewer number of those that become viable, um, for pregnancy based on the way that they look and grade these embryos from the magic science things that they know that I don't know. You know, I've heard that, uh, by the way, that was a really great explanation. Well done. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> from, it's, it's, from the little bit that I know. <laughs> I am not a scientist. So I, I, I also, am not a doctor. Please consult your professionals. Yes, I concur. Go see a doctor, go <laughs> learn about actual science. This is, uh, this is some kind of Merlin thing that I like, uh, retained over the process. But I think it's, I think, it's a good um, kids book version of a, so. of a science textbook. And I think that really speaks to how difficult it is to understand all of this and what I was saying before about how I felt a little bit alone in that IVF part of it because it is so complicated and um, the little part that you do understand is still not the whole picture, but you have to hang on to it and really appreciate what you know and like trust your knowledge, right? Um, but then always be curious about understanding it even better. Um, I... I've heard that, you know, like in the wild, in the natural conception, (laughs) right, that up to, you know, 50% of fertilizations do not end in a viable term pregnancy, right? And a lot of women have uh, minor miscarriages that they never even know about, right? Um, And so we have to consider that that 50% statistic is true even in an IVF process, right? Because you put these two pieces together and then you have these embryos. But even at five days, you don't know which ones are going to grow to be viable because it is such a miraculous thing. And there's all these pieces that have to come together so perfectly for it to turn into a human being. Right. Um, And so which is also true of like uh, a, a man and woman making a baby in yes. their home. That's my joke about in the wild. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> You're like, like, pe- you know, there are lots of people out there also trying and we're, we're talking about gay dads, but so much of surrogacy is about also heterosexual couples that aren't um, able to have children on their own for a lot of different reasons. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's, we're talking about how hard it is to make babies in a lab at first. And then, uh, you know, and then after the five day embryo to be able to transfer them into a surrogate and that's so difficult, but yeah, like, but it is this difficult, even, even if it's just, at home in your bed right. or wherever, right? <laughs> um, it, but it's this difficult, we, we just don't know about it, yeah, right? Totally. Because we're not seeing what's happening on that microscopic level. Um, so, okay, getting back to your story. Yeah. Uh, we are, so you have your, uh, so you deliver twins. Yeah. For your these wonderful dads yeah. that live in France. And um, they're... Are they three or four now? They're five and a half. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they're cute little five and a half year olds. They're really cute. I um, know they're, they're starting to learn English. Oh. So when we Skype, they'll like read to me from their English books. It's really, oh gosh, really cute. So cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you're working on the sibling project. Um, and it hasn't, it's been a, a bit of a rocky road. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 
we, from our first, from our first time around, the very first transfer took and both embryos took and we had twins. And then we had some embryos uh, that we saved hoping for a sibling project in the future. And we, we went through all of those and failed transfer after failed transfer. Um, and maybe I should be more specific in my terminology because I, I don't know exactly how we'd say it. And I can't even remember exactly which ones took like as in the embryo implanted for a period of time. So I was technically, you know, quote unquote pregnant, but then just a, you know, natural spontaneous abortion because the, the egg wasn't viable for whatever reason. So those happened at different stages. Um, Can I ask how many times you've attempted to transfer that haven't worked? We've, I've lost track. I was, <laughs> it's funny. I was looking back in my calendar trying to remember like, gosh, how many it's like f- somewhere between four and six at uh, five and six. I, I, I can't remember because it's also been over two years because um, each cycle, it can't happen each month the way that say like my menstrual cycle occurs, right? It has to be lined up perfectly with the lab and the way that they're uh, thawing the embryos at the right time or whether it's a live transfer. We ended up um, harvesting more eggs from the original donor. She agreed to come back and donate more eggs for them. Um, because these embryos aren't my eggs. It was, it was a separate donor. Um, and yeah, so it's, um, what am I trying to say? It's so very I've lost, complicated. It's really complicated. And yeah, it's like, how could I possibly have lost track? I don't know, but I really have. And, and I can't quite nail it down how many we've done. Um, so you're on this like emotional roller coaster. It's been years now. Yeah. I mean, you have the very, very bright part of your journey, which is these two twins, um, these dads, you're all, you're also married and you have these three beautiful mm-hmm. kids. You have all this bright, beautiful light in your life. Yeah. And then you're doing this thing that's so hard. Yeah. Um, like I don't want to discount what's so good about clearly good about your life and all the wonderful things that are in it, but you are doing this thing and you talked about it being isolating. Yeah. And it, I'm like thinking about that now and it's been a couple of years of having to go through that. And the hormones are really intense. So um, this is maybe also something that you can't quite relate to, right? But like those hormonal fluctuations in a normal monthly cycle can be a little intense and women get a little crazy sometimes. I'm like, uh, definitely. But being on an IVF hormone cycle, um, it's like really extreme because your hormones are being supplemented exogenously, right? And so, yeah, to like try to keep my myself in check as I've been going through these cycles and not really wanting to share with people in my life because I, um, you know, you don't want to talk about it until it's a sure, for sure thing, right? Just like most people think about their own pregnancy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but then still feeling like, yeah, it's it's an emotional roller coaster ride for sure. Um, but also, I feel like the dads and I are in a place where we've agreed that if it's meant to be, it'll be. You know, like we feel really blessed and lucky that we have these twins, that they have these twins. I, maybe I shouldn't. And they're take in it. your life. They are. They are. You have we them have, in I your in too. your like yeah. sweet. You know, hey, I'm on Skype kind of way. Yes, they exactly. have them and the they like live with them and are yeah. raising them and clean them after them. All those yeah. Things, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we feel really blessed for sure, and we feel like we're gonna keep trying with the three embryos that we have left, and if that doesn't work we'll 
just be really thankful for what we have. Um, because yeah, it's just, it's comforting to be in a headspace of whatever's meant to happen will happen. And we do our best to move it in the direction that we want it to go. And if it doesn't happen, then, you know, that's okay. Um, to just count our blessings. So I'm like, still like, I'm so fascinated by the science of what happens. Yeah. Um, you're going through getting to a transfer. So you do go through the transfer, which means that you're getting on the hormones that, that get your body ready for the transfer. Um, right. Cause I, I'll, and you're doing, you were doing the shots through those. Mm-hmm. And I, from our surrogate, I've heard those are painful. Yeah, they they really are. Um, they're in the like. That's the, the part of the marathon that you're like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, that part for sure. That's uh, yeah, like <laughs> I'll stop with my analogies. It's gonna be like when your shoes are too tight and like you know your nails hitting the front of the shoe. I'm sure and it's a like pine that. Pine cone yeah. comes down and smacks you in the <laughs> right, forehead. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because with each transfer, I'm on hormones for you know, about a month before, right? Because when the embryos transferred to me, technically my body would already be thinking it's pregnant. So I have to be hormonally ready to receive it, right? So that my lining in the uterus is the right thickness so that everything is ready. Um, And so, yeah, there's quite a bit of hormone treatment that goes up to the transfer and then extends forward from the transfer until um, a placenta is formed which is, I don't remember, Isn't eight weeks, like 10 weeks, the, 12 it's weeks. Like it almost gets you to the, through the first trimester that you yeah. stay on hormones. Yeah. I think it's like around 12 weeks maybe that the placenta forms. So the hormones have to maintain the pregnancy, um, until that happens. And yeah. So, wow. And then going for the blood test. So after the transfer, I would go every other day for a blood draw to check my HCG levels because um, they want to be checking that those are doubling every other day um, as opposed to just getting like a positive pregnancy test, right? Like a urine test. Um, because as soon as those numbers aren't doubling, it indicates that the pregnancy isn't viable. And then I would stop the hormones right away because what's the point of maintaining the pregnancy if it's not um, going the way we want it to go? Right. It Does has that make to sense? grow. The baby has to grow. If the baby's yes. not growing then there's no reason to keep going on the hormones. Yes. But then you have to come down off the hormones, which is a whole other process from what I hear. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's been a lot of, a lot of those, but you know, we're, I really want to do this with them. Right. So like, yeah, it's challenging, but there's no question that you want to do this with them. It's been a couple of years. You were in it to to win it. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, they're just really beautiful little babies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that's where I go back to you, you're special. You're a special person in the world um, to be going through all of this. And it also makes me believe that these dads are very special because yeah. you wouldn't do this for someone that you didn't believe in as parents. Yeah, it's true. It, first off, thanks. That's really kind. And I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, the, the thing for me is that people get accidentally pregnant all the time. Right. And I just feel like there's so many children in the world who, 
how do I want to say this? What I want to say is that I think that when uh, someone becomes accidentally pregnant, they figure it out as they go, right? And maybe it's a wanted pregnancy and maybe it's not, but like you're there, so you figure it out, right? But when there are people who so desperately want to be parents, it's that wanting, that desire, that commitment that I think makes an excellent parent. Yeah, resources like money, like, you know, that plays a factor in parenting as well, right? Like makes it easier if you have money, it's harder if you don't have money. Absolutely. But I think that that basic foundation of wanting and love is um, really valuable and should be rewarded with having children. And so there are lots of people out there in the world who really want to be parents and should be parents. And if surrogacy is the way for them to have that, then they should do it. You know, um, cause adoption doesn't work for everyone, especially at, well, what I've heard, it doesn't work as well for gay couples, right? Because you often get bumped to the bottom of the wait list, right? Like people are like, Oh, maybe I don't want to give my child to that person because they have whatever preconceived notions or biases or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I just feel like <laughs> if only, if only, uh, whether that people got pregnant or had children was based on how much they wanted it, maybe it would be a better world. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all children could just be loved and uh, and wanted. Well, the one <laughs> thing is for sure that anyone who's going through this process wants a child, and it's like we, my husband and I, have talked a lot about what we'll tell our kids uh, about how they came into the world and what we want, what we hope that will mean to them. And one thing is, there's no question you should be here. Yeah. We wanted you here so badly. And also, we had a team of people who wanted you to be here too, right? Yeah. And, and that I hope, I hope they feel that love. How I could they know. not? I mean, putting yourself in those shoes, right? Being that child, it, it fills me with such joy and chills to, to feel that level of um, love constantly washing over you you know you know at the very core of your being how much you are wanted right there's no question about it um maybe all pregnancies should be surrogacies (laughs) well you know i'm I'm gonna cheer on anyone who's able to get pregnant also on their own Um, okay you're right you're right (laughs) good for you best wishes and also like cheer cheers for you all the way Um, absolutely (laughs) the other part of it too that i hope um, is I, I'm understanding pregnancy, um, and surrogacy through surrogates that I'm talking to like you. Mm. And I am, have learned so much about the, what well, about generosity and how it takes so many different forms, but this is like, you talked about a marathon and this is like, like a, a marathon and at the end someone gets a child, you know, like, yeah, yeah. it's not just a marathon at the end. So there's a person yeah. <laughs> that exists that, that didn't exist before and parents who love them, you yeah. know? Um, but that, that, that there's so much generosity out there and, and that there are women who have, um, who have bodies that have grown up in these bodies that are, are um, great at pregnancy 
and they recognize that. And I hope that there are women out there who know that about themselves, like you, and get hear about surrogacy and are able to hear from women like you and and think, oh, this is this is a journey I can go on. I can do this. Yeah. You know? Um, so as many, as much as I hope that there are intended parents that know that their lives can be like this and that these babies they dream of can be like this. I also hope there are women who know that their lives can be like this if they want. If Absolutely. They want. Yeah. I, I agree. I feel like I talk about surrogacy quite a bit, uh, just in my normal life. When someone finds out that it's something that I've done, they're instantly curious about it and wanting to ask. And, and I love talking about it because it's something that I think is just really amazing. And I really, I really love. Right. And I, would say a majority of the time women say to me, Oh, I've thought about that. That's so interesting. Yeah. I've definitely considered that. And then there's X, Y, or Z reason why it hasn't worked out for them. And that's totally okay. And I've always wondered like, Oh, I wonder if any of those women have moved forward on that path for themselves or if it still is just kind of a curiosity because, um, because that's how it was for me. It was like a seed was planted and then it blossomed into this, this thing. Right. And so, I think about that whenever I'm out in the world talking about it. <laughs> what is it um, like? You, so now you've you're in this community. Mm-hmm. You're here in Wisconsin, where there are um, a lot of women who have been surrogates. They're all which is, over the place, which is wild and cool. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, what has it been like to meet other women who are surrogates? It's uh, it's great. I mean, I feel like even though they're all over the place, I don't feel that I've really met that many. I, um, just a few, um, you've met my surrogate. Yes. We had dinner together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did. I, I saw a picture. She texted us a picture. She's like where I was. I was hanging out <laughs> with these surrogates. And I think, you know, like one of, um, the women, the one, the other woman that you met at that dinner yeah. was our delivery nurse. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you got, I'm sure you got to hear some of that story. It's funny. I, f- so I sometimes have a very poor memory, um, you know, maybe in part because of living such a full life and I'm so like constantly You're going through a lot right, at this exactly. moment. <laughs> I'm actually just graduating with my bachelor's degree in nursing. Oh, wow. I know. Congratulations. I just graduated. I'm really excited about it. <gasps> oh my gosh. I feel like we so, should pop champagne, except I don't know where you are in the surrogacy <laughs> journey right now. Maybe you can't even drink, but I appreciate the thought though. Um, yeah. So but I'm trying to think back on any other surrogates that I've met. And I feel like I can't recall any right now. I feel like those are the only two other wow. surrogates that I've, I've um, hung out with. And it was just that one dinner. Right. But I'm sure <laughs> there must've been others. I, I don't know. Did you come to the open house that was here this weekend? I no, can't remember. I was, I was all a, over the place. Yeah. I no, I was planning on coming. Um, and then it didn't work out, but um, so clearly for me, that's not like a real, like I don't feel like I'm part of uh, a crew of women in Madison who all have this shared experience of surrogacy, you know, which is kind of funny. Like I live in this city where I could have that. And yet that's, yeah, that's you something know what's that crazy I would love to reach out more and do that. Well, you're on a podcast now, <laughs> which in which you will be hearing other surrogates talk about their surrogacy journey. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of them. There will be others. And I'm like, Oh, well you've got some friends to make. And I, um, I, 
I'm so, so grateful that this process exists for me. Um, and what I keep hearing from other women who've been surrogates is that they're grateful. I'm like, Oh, you're They're grateful that they went through this process. Do you feel that like, or I should, you know what I want to ask is what parts of this process are you most grateful for? That's, that's an interesting question. I feel, I feel like it's hard to pinpoint specific things that I'm grateful for because it's this whole, it's, it's a whole new place that it's taken my life to, you know, you don't think your life would be the same. My life would absolutely not be the same without having been a surrogate. And I'm so thankful for the life that I have and the relationships that I have, you know, the, the experiences that I've had, the fact that I get to meet someone awesome like you and, you know, like just these connections. Um, I just feel like my world is broadened in, in a way that I really appreciate. And like being a part of this journey is constantly showing me things that I'm grateful for. It's not just something that has happened and I can look back and say, oh yeah, there's that, that, and that. It's like, I'm currently grateful for being a part of this community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's the, so what's the next step in your journey? Well, the next step is we're meeting with a new clinic and uh, seeing how we can move forward on the sibling project. And it sounds like the next step is to get connected with some other surrogates and like make some friends. <laughs> sounds, awesome. sounds like that's what's next. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very glad that I have made a new friend in the last hour. Likewise. And, um, I'm so grateful we got to talk together and I actually hope we keep talking and I'm so excited to hear what happens next, um, for you and your dads and yeah. the, um, and hopefully these twins will have a sibling, um, yeah. sometime in the near future. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me here. This has been really, really great. Hope Works is a podcast created by Hope Surrogacy. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll subscribe and join us for conversations with the amazing women we've worked with as surrogates. If you'd like to support these family-building stories, leave us a review and rating on iTunes. Thank you for warming my heart, Taylor. It was a joy to talk through your incredible experience And I wish for you and your IPs a beautiful journey ahead with, of course, lots of sticky thoughts for your next transfer. If you're listening and you're interested in finding out more about becoming a surrogate, come chat with us at hopesurrogacy.com. Find stories on the blog and leave us a message on our contact page. Or come say hello on Instagram and Facebook. Just search at Hope Surrogacy. On behalf of all of us at Hope, Mary, Leanne, Amy, and myself, We can't wait to hear from you and to talk about how hope works.